All right, people, let's do this one last time. You know who I am. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. 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 I'm Spider-Man. I'm not the only one. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a Geeksplained Extra series that we're calling Spidey Sember. I am your host, Eric Azana, and we are going through every single Spider-Man film in the lead-up to Tom Holland's swan song in Spider-Man No Way Home. And of course, I am joined by the men who I would trust to turn the entirety of New York City into lizards. First off, it's AJ Kincaid. Hey, hey, folks. And of course, my man. Chris Carter. Swing it on in, guys. Swing it on in. You get those cranes ready, bitch. <laughs> yeah. So we are talking about the amazing Spider-Man, which dropped all the way back in the far-flung year of 2012. This film is almost 10 years old. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this was directed by Mark Webb and written by James Vanderbilt, Alvin Sargent, our boy Alvin Sargent as well as uh, Steve Cloves. And I thought this was incredibly interesting re-watching this film and watching the credits. Did you catch who it was executive produced by? No. No? Stan Lee and our boy Kevin Feige. Hey. Kevin Feige. Hey. Kevin Fiaggy. Kevin Guy Fieri. Kevin Feige wasn't in was an executive producer on this like that's crazy to me yeah that is pretty nuts well foggy's probably in the groundwork i mean let's be honest i mean the dude yeah. is a brilliant the man has the four sides of he's, he's just I creeping mean, around he's like he's like all yeah. right you're gonna right, do a new, you're gonna do a new superhero movie with marvel characters all right let me get yeah. into this bitch because there was well, another movie that came out in 2012 that was pretty good too so you know we'll dark Knight rises but anyway and another movie above. There's quite a few. Um, <laughs> different day, so, different. When when we're working on uh, Batman, our we'll come to that next. <laughs> he explained extra series. Oh, that's gonna be a fun journey, though. It's gonna, gonna be a good fun. one for sure. Oh man, oh man. But he, but Kevin Feige's been in like, like he's been the producer seat for Marvel movies since like since Blade, I think. Like he's yeah. been he's oh, been in and out. That. Oh, yeah. Kevin heavily involved. Yeah, there, there's a reason why, like, I think Disney chose him to, like, lead this force. He was uh, he was Avi Arad's assistant for the first, at least the first two Spider-Man films. Who is Damn. Avi Arad? Because you made a mention of him in our last episode, and I'm not familiar with his yeah, so, position within whatever. So he's like a producer. He's like one of those guys. Do you remember, did you ever see the Kevin Smith like stand up about death and return of Superman where yes. he talks about John Peters? No. And he, so <laughs> YouTube it, YouTube it. It's incredible. <laughs> Listeners, okay. if you haven't watched that, just YouTube Kevin Smith, death and return of Superman. He paints an incredible story about John Peters, who was this eccentric <laughs> producer who started out as a hairdresser uh -huh. and Good for Avi Arad, uh, and Avi Arad is very much in that same vein. He is a guy who 
has a lot of love for Spider-Man, but also has a lot of love for his version of Spider-Man, what he wants for Mm Spider-Man. He is a guy who has had a stranglehold on Spider-Man in film for a very long time. Ah, I see. And now is that an ownership for like, because the, the, you know, the story is that in the nineties, Marvel was going broke and they had to sell a bunch of properties to mm-hmm. like just X, Y, and Z to make, to make bank. And Spider-Man was like, you know, the, the biggest one that, that was like the biggest bidding piece and yeah. X-Men and then, and X-Men, you know, yeah. and then there was Daredevil. Then all of it went to Fox or went to Paramount. Went I to X- yeah. yeah. I've heard that story. So is you it remember that-, that you were 20 years old during that time. That's true. I was, I was actually in the boardroom. I was reading. I was in the boardroom. We said, <laughs> we want Fantastic Four at Fox no matter what. And everyone's and like, so, what is this 10-year-old child doing in here? Fantastic Chris, Four, what? Chris has gone from trying to fight the jokes, just full on, just diving into it. Just like, I'm, you I'm think you can get me? I'm right. picturing full on Chris Boss Baby in the Marvel <laughs> offices. <laughs> Like, I am going to buy Fantastic Four and take it to the moon. So, but but my question is, was he in the groundwork for that deal way back when? Like, what exactly so he is was, it? He was a Sony and Columbia Pictures guy. So yeah. he was a guy who was, they basically said, okay, we just got Spider-Man. Spider-Man's a big freaking deal. Let's give it to this guy. You've heard of Spider-Man, right? And he's like... I have waited my entire life to play with Spider-Man. And that's like his deal. Like, you guys remember the uh, the guy from the first, you know, from the Tobey Maguire films, Mr. Ditkovich? Brent! Yes. Yeah, Brent. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is basically Avi Arad. Oh, okay. Just in general. I'm not going to elaborate. He, Avi Arad is the guy who has been essentially the Kevin Feige for Spider-Man but just on Spider-Man. Like picture of Kevin Feige was like, I am just going to control what we do with Thor. And if you have a fucking idea about Thor, I get to say whether it's good or not. Like that's how fucking intense his relationship with Spider-Man is. And so he was the guy who was spearheading Venom being included. He was the guy who pushed for this reboot, which I'm going to get into in a second. He was the guy who a lot of people, whenever there's like bad stuff about Spider-Man, he's the guy to blame. Interesting. Well, it's so, crazy that Sony would, he would have that stranglehold on that IP with yeah. a company yeah. like Sony. Sony's, they don't fuck around. I mean, so, I mean, he must be doing something right. He must be somebody's kid or nephew <laughs> or some shit. You well, know, he's cause... got tenure with that company, I think. And like, as yeah. we've seen as the years go by, especially starting here, he's been kind of sharing it with one Amy Pascal. And she is a whole nother bag of worms. We're, <laughs> we're going to get to that. that. Name? Why do I, I know that name from some? There was a really fun interview in the uh the opening of i think it was um it was homecoming i believe um or it might it was it was one of the it, 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 i'm just gonna say it was homecoming home. either one of those yeah where she was in an interview with kevin feige the two of them were together right oh yeah and they're talking about like oh, you know, you guys are getting ready to release Venom and like, 
you know, there's these talks about like a possible Morbius movie. And Amy Pascal is straight up like, yeah, and all of those are part of the MCU. And Feige is just like corpsing next to her. Like his <laughs> eyes are all fucking wide. Because he doesn't want to fucking divine smite her where she sits. And it is a beautifully cringeworthy interview it's incredible again another thing you should youtube if you haven't yet go to kevin smith's first because it's fun and it It takes way longer this after a certain point you want to turn it off because (laughs) it is like it's you can see the pain the physical pain in kevin feige's face oh god so the amazing spider-man came out in 2012 but it wasn't the plan this wasn't what the plan was coming out of spider-man 3. after spider-man 3 toby mcguire uh sam raimi the entire bunch signed on for a spider-man 4 and it was set for a release date of may 6 2011. wow does uh just by chance do uh do either of you know what came out around that time just I don't. offhand uh, i got a high school there movie just a just a couple months later it was captain america yeah. the first <laughs> avenger yeah the summer blockbuster of 2011 and a wonderful wonderful movie but spider-man 4 was essentially going to be this idea sam raimi was like okay you guys got to have venom i'm going back to my shit now and we were finally going to get the vulture John Malkovich was going to be playing the Vulture. We were going to get Felicia Hardy, a.k.a. Black Cat, except she wouldn't be the Black Cat. She was going to turn into a character called the Vultress, and she was going to be the sidekick to the Vulture. We also, in this film, according to storyboards, were finally going to get the answer as to all of Bruce Campbell's cameos in the first three films in that he was going to be mysterio right right, because mysterio's background as a film and stage actor all of the previous films would be him in different roles ruining peter parker's life i love this shit but ultimately as you know through interviews with sam raimi and avi arad and all this stuff things started to break down conversations began to happen where once again it was going to be oh we are coming at this from two different angles here i want to make my movie you guys want to make your movie and as time went on they started to lose steam people were starting to get a little antsy and then on january 11th of 2010 sony and columbia pictures announced that Spider-Man 4 had been canceled. No statement from Sam Raimi. No statement from Tobey Maguire. It was Sony and Columbia Pictures that said, we are no longer moving forward with Spider-Man 4 and will instead be bringing you a new vision of the web slinger with the amazing Spider-Man. Now, this was obviously a big shift. A lot of people were used to the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi combo. And so there was a lot of pressure on the team behind this to make this film. And a lot of that went squarely on the shoulders of director Mark Webb. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in 20, you know, in 2010, when this 
announcement was made. Mark Webb had just come off of his directorial debut, 500 Days of Summer. This man had directed one film, and Sony gave him the keys to the Spider Kingdom. Wow, that's scary. And yes, yeah, and, and I know you love 500 Days of Summer. Like, and it, it's, I do. I there's do. no shame. And, and the way they shot it was good. The way they told the story was fantastic. But I mean, does anybody Very... know what the budget was for The Amazing Spider-Man? I know one man ahead. does. <laughs> I know one. $230 million. Wow. So he basically, because doing quick maths, um, I think 500 Days of Summer was maybe made for a million dollars. I think it's like 1.2. Really? Maybe, maybe not even that much. It was wow. It was indie style to the core. This was his first directorial debut. Yeah. And so they're like, all right, we're going to give you 200 times the amount of money. Make a Spider-Man film. Do yeah. it, Mark. Do it. Your name's Webb. Like Spider. <laughs> like Spider-Man. Make a Spider-Man film, Mark Webb. Do it. And so... Mark Webb embarked on a journey. Now, I want to take you through the casting process because we went through this in the first Spider-Man film. And this, at this point in January of 2010, was an arms race. Because I don't know if everyone remembers, (laughs) but in late 2000s, early 2010s, every single actor looked like Andrew Garfield. Every single actor wanted to be Spider-Man. Yeah. And so I'm going to just rattle off some names here. Let's see if you recognize some of them that were in the running for Spider-Man. Jamie Bell. Alden Ehrenreich. Frank Delane. Josh Hutcherson. Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Logan Lerman and Anton Yelchin. I, I, I recognize three. <laughs> now yeah, during this too. during this process, um, I believe uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Logan Lerman, and Jamie Bell all were screen tested, mm. but ultimately they settled on young Andrew Garfield. Uh. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to make a uh, a probably super obvious confession here. Andrew Garfield's my Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield is my Spider-Man. He was the Spider-Man at the most formative time of my life. And I absolutely love Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker and as Spider-Man. And for me, there is not a single person in this grouping who I think could have done a better job with this character and with this portrayal not you know no shade to any of these actors or their acting ability but andrew garfield has a very specific uh relationship with spider-man longtime fan read the comics as a kid and he pulled off my dream my ultimate dream so In the first panel for Comic-Con, when they were getting ready to show off this film for the first time, they, like most Comic-Con panels do, threw it to the, uh, threw it to audience questions. 
and a guy in a spider in a you know homemade spider-man costume comes up and you know just starts kind of nervously talking about like I'm so excited to be here, Spider-Man. I have loved Spider-Man since I was a little kid. Um, being here in Hall H with all of you dressed as Spider-Man is incredible. And he whips the mask off, and it's Andrew Garfield. And he says, so I just want to thank you all for being here with me for this. I saw the footage of this when this came out, and I cried. I cried ugly tears. Because it's the <laughs> dream, right? It's the, it's dream, the dream of being a snot-nosed comic book fan who got bullied for liking the shit you like finally getting to live out the character that gave you support and gave you inspiration as a kid like that's the fucking dream and for if it was just that moment alone andrew garfield would still be my spider-man but everything he did after that cemented him as my spider-man this is not saying that Tobey Maguire is bad. This is not saying that Tom Holland is bad. Each one of them bring different energy and different portrayals of the character, but Andrew Garfield is my Spider-Man. <clears throat> I want to throw it to you guys uh, how you feel about Andrew Garfield in the role. And I think, appropriately, I'm going to throw it to uh, the other um, tall, well-built, <laughs> floppy-haired gentleman in the room. Uh, AJ Kincaid. Get the fuck out of here. I'm tall, well, building that floppy hair too. You, you don't have that. floppy hair. Look yeah, at that. It's hair. You can't see it. You can't see it, but the AJ Kincaid has a mane. A floppy mane that Andrew Garfield would easily be found with. Yes. Neither you nor I have that floppy mane, Chris. Don't even fucking lie. <laughs> Take the L on this. Know that you have worth. You are valued and you are respected. You are. You are. You are. It's all true. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, Eric, you really took the words out of my mouth. Toby McGuire, um, when I was a kid, was was kind of like the cartoon come to life, but like I couldn't relate to him. There's nothing. There was nothing relatable about him. I was like 19 when this movie came out, and like depressed, sad boy, like just got out of got out of high school, like just into college, like had no idea who he was, what the fuck he was doing, like so weird and awkward and just like just trying to just like just just trying to exist for it's the next me. day yeah exactly and like to see andrew garfield like who like I, I i remember watching social network in high school and just going wow this guy is like a powerhouse of an actor and then to do the same thing like like you said like dress up and cosplay as spider-man and then to go to comic-con and say hey guys like I, I we know did this, it. We did it. Like, like the nerds won. We finally got one. This isn't. This isn't just some like pretty douchebag who's gonna go in and do it. I promise you. I give a shit about this. Like it was just. It. It was. It was like everything at the time. And yeah, like Andrew Garfield. Still, like I'm. I'm just so excited to see him again. Like, let, let's be allegedly. Real. Allegedly, he, he's coming back. He's allegedly, coming back. He's we didn't see him in the trailer. Back. It doesn't he's, mean anything. Yeah, yeah, I don't fucking we give don't a know. shit about we that. We don't he's know for back. sure. He's coming back. Oh, Chris, he's coming back. Chris, how did you feel? Hello, he's doing the. Chris, how did you feel about the announcement of Andrew Garfield, and what do you think about him? I love the role. I loved it. I I loved it. I was I was excited for him, and the social network really put him on the map. I mean, think about it. This guy. Anytime you're in a David Fincher film, if Fincher chooses you to be in one of his films, 
you know, especially that film when you had to play a couple of different things, um, yeah. you know, and if you look at it, because you got to look at it, it again, we're going to, we'll focus on it means Spider-Man, but as a whole, as an actor, all right. I think he took his craft much more seriously than Toby did kind of coming in with maybe a similar base, but the, but you know, talent and good looks will take you so far, but then you have to work at, at that. You have to work at your craft and you just can't just show up being handsome and you got to remember your lines and that's not going to take you far. So if you look at this body of work in the span of, I'm going to just reel off four films and six movies, Do social it. network, 2010, amazing Spider-Man, 2012, Spider-Man two, 2014, Hacksaw Ridge, 2016. So, oh, wow. so, in that window, the, this actor, you know, who is who is who is tapped to, and let's be honest, I mean, these were huge shoes to fill. I mean, these absolutely. Were fucking, imagine the person that plays the next Iron Man or the next Captain America. Well, we kind of already had that, but they're huge shoes to fill. So, and but the fact that he came in there and he did so well, and he took his he took the role seriously, and he took he applied his craft to the role. I think is something that Toby May didn't do. Maybe Toby couldn't do it. Because after you know, there, there's there's a level of talent that you have to kind of weigh when dealing with these two actors because we have the ability to kind of gauge them in the same shoes for a little bit. So um, I do think he was helped tremendously, and not taking anything from Garfield, uh, by having Emma Stone in the film. Like I really feel wow. that pl playing off her, it was it was it was just one A and one B. And that changed depending upon what scene we're in too, by the way. So that that helps because who did Toby have to play off when he was running you know, his gambit too? So just something to consider while we go through this. Which is a fantastic segue into the next piece because instead of Mary Jane Watson, Mark Webb and the team decided we're going to Gwen Stacy, baby. And I said in the last, last episode, I'm a Gwen Stacy guy. I have have the arguments you can argue with a brick wall i am a gwen stacy guy and i was very keyed in on who they were going to cast as gwen stacy and i just want to run down this list because this is this list is incredible so kicking things off lily collins was fantastic yeah uh ophelia lava bond which is just the coolest fucking name. Um, <laughs> Imogen Poots. Ooh. Teresa Palmer. Mm. Emma Roberts. Mia Wazakowska. Georgina Haig. Diana Agron. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Wow. Oh, who was just coming off of Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. And I want to I want to see if either of you recognize this name, Dominique McGalligott. Why does that so, sound familiar? Dominique what? McElligott. I do know the name. I just cannot place the face of the name right now. You yeah. may recognize her in the hit Amazon Prime TV show as Queen Maeve in The Boys. Oh yeah, she was oh, also yeah, she dang. was also in House of Cards too. Who was? married to joel mckinnon which is Dang. fucking ridiculous or whatever his name is kinnaman rick flag whatever his name who cares what his name is chris carter's cares. favorite actor chris carter's <laughs> favorite actor who cares what his name oh. she queen mave was almost gwen stacy wow wow very interesting yeah but of course as we know the role ultimately went to emma stone 
I love me some Emma Stone, man. She is incredible. She's an incredible actress. Mm -hmm. Just through the roof when it comes to comedic timing Mm -hmm. and charisma. She is a clear choice. And she was actually, according to this, she was added in late in the process. She was brought into the shortlist. I, I think they said something like in the back half of the casting process, which is wild. Yeah. And apparently both Garfield and Stone were cast based on their screen tests together. Because apparently Mark Webb knew he had his guy, and I'm reading reading this off of an interview. He knew that Garfield was the guy when they were doing a screen test for a scene where Garfield is eating a cheeseburger and telling Gwen Stacy to calm down. <laughs> apparently that was the scene that Mark Webb looked at him and he said, that's a Spider-Man. Uh- <laughs> That's kind of great. I mean, honestly, if you look at what she did before she got, uh, I mean, Spider-Man. Easy A, brother. Easy, oh, super yeah. bad. Zombie super bad. land. Oh, did you God. guys ever see, did you guys ever see Crazy Stupid Love? Yes. No. It's awesome. Life FYI. Um, yeah, it's, it's so many great roles in that too. Gosling, Carell, um, Juliet, no, Juliet, Juliet Moore. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, she was loaded before she went even went into this film. So it's it's yeah. So, so it's a tale of her. two cities when it comes to credits. Seriously, Andrew Garfield again. It was really just the social network that put him on the map with this. Yeah, and so the two of them were the couple, and we're gonna get into it in a little bit. But just chef's I, kiss. You can't beat Emma Stone. Like there's right. something just like I've never seen charisma off anybody else than that woman. Like it's just so different with her. Did you guys know? I didn't know this. Did you know her in these films? That's her natural hair color. No, really? I didn't She's know. She's a natural blonde. That's a blonde blonde too. Yeah. Yeah. And so she decided to stick with the blonde instead of, I guess, the red was dyed. Interesting. Know. Uh, did, have you guys seen, uh, to credit Emma Stones, have you guys seen Cruella? No. She, she's, bro, she's great. As, Cruella's a good you know, film, by the way. It, it, Cruella's a good film. Like, it's good. It's fine. It's it's, it's good. Well, it's got it's a, a sequel. It's a five. Not, to okay, what? Let's, let's do this real quick. Um, tell me, explain to me as a filmmaker, from a filmmaker's perspective, if only good films get sequels, tell me how that logic works. Just how explain it good, to me real quick. How many films get sequels at Disney, though? Too many. Think about that for no, that's not too true. many. Way too that's many. That's not true. How many? Okay, okay, too outside many. of Star Wars, Cars 2. Outside, Cars Come on. Pi- billion dollars. Pirates of the Caribbean five. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean five was, uh, I think the high was no, it was that was the highest grossing film of all time. We established last episode, bad films can make money too. Oh, also, the highest grossing movie of all timeline happens like every two weeks. I'm sick and tired of hearing that line. It's not real. It's made the, up. What is the metric of a film then? Like, like it, I, it's hard. It's, it's difficult. I'm just saying, Corell is a good movie. You guys should watch it. It's oh, fine. Haters. They're women haters, people. I'm just- The dogs dog killed her mom. Dare you. And dog haters. How dare you? <laughs> So either way, 
setting Cruella aside, <laughs> Emma Stone is a powerhouse actress, and putting her together with another auteur actor like sure. Andrew Garfield, obviously you would get good performances, but it's the connection and the chemistry between the two of them that really sells this. But other castings that I really want to take some time to talk about real quick. Uh, I know I'm going to butcher this. Uh, Rizzy Fons as Kurt Connors. Oh, Rizzy yeah. Fons is a wonderful actor. Absolutely. And we have been waiting a long time for the lizard. Yeah. We've been waiting a long time for Kurt Connors. And this was the film to bring him in. Absolutely. And if I do, I'm just going to get get this negative out of the way. They cut a lot of his stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's unfortunate. But he still does as best as he can. There is a certain gravitas to him that I really appreciate. I first off, I love this actor. He's such a good, like great British actor. There is a um, like adaptation of, of uh, Peter Pan where he is Captain Hook. I highly suggest people go watch that like miniseries. I think it was the BBC did it like years ago. So good. He's fantastic. In and it. then watch the uh, the live ABC version of it where Christopher Walken is. Oh, God. Captain <laughs> Hook. Oh, God. The Lagoon. Um, um but i i have to say like the lizard is a problem like i think like he, he he like definitely saying like at least this now he's definitely my favorite spider-man villain and to get like this character with this movie is it i i still really enjoy this movie and like him as the lizard knocks it out of the park every time so we also got one dennis leary as george stacy now chris Tell me about Dennis Leary. How did you how did you feel about uh how'd you feel about George Stacy? I actually I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge Dennis Leary fan. Um he's a little crass. Yes. However, I would say for this, he dials it way the fuck back. Mm. And I think he's acceptable, passable. I was is a word I would use for he's I would not have chosen to cast him. I don't know why they cast him. There's he's done nothing that would kind of indicate that somebody would take a a, a reach and be like oh yeah dennis larry's perfect to play this chick's dad like i don't think anybody would make that distinction I, you know he, but i think he i think it was when he was coming off that firefighter show yeah and I think FX, it was yeah, yeah and it was like the first or yeah that was it that was it it was like it, i think they were going off of that like first responder kind of like blue collar vibe, look that he yeah. has yeah 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 but the two that kind of stole the show for me in every scene that they were in martin sheen is uncle ben and sally fields is Aunt May. oh it's so true though like holy shit like so we talk we talk about a lot how you know just in general conversations how good the aunt may and uncle ben pairing was in the toby Maguire films they're ripped straight out of the comic 100%. uncle ben killed off very quickly aunt may on death's door at any given moment ripped straight <laughs> off ripped straight off the comic book page in those films they decided in this film to say yeah but what if they had character what if they were actual characters mm -hmm. instead of like inspirational posters masquerading as people and that's not any kind of 
shade towards the Uncle Ben and Aunt May that were in those films. They're great. But Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben is just so far and above for me as an Uncle Ben, as an actual character. He enters the movie with his sopping wet bowling trophies. And Aunt May is like, I know you are not bringing that wet box into my kitchen. And he's like, eh, they're my trophies. Like, everyone has that uncle who is just like, ah, you know, whatever. Everyone has that uncle who is also Martin Sheen, is yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. 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 <laughs> Should we look up his uh, his credit list? We don't have oh. three hours to do that, don't we? If, yeah. if, you, if you haven't gone through Martin Sheen's all-time hits, shame on you. It's exactly. it's it's a roller coaster, is what it is. It really is. God, no, you're. I mean, Eric, you're so right. Like he he kills it in this movie, and like I, I feel like Martin Sheen knew exactly what he needed to do for this part. Yeah, and he, and he full on came in just like, well. I'm almost 80. It's time to time for, for these parts, I guess. <laughs> well, and he's so he's so interesting because he toes the line between like really compassionate father figure. And there there is at least one scene where he is pissed at Peter Parker. Oh, yeah. And I love seeing range like that, where he's like arguing with with uh, with Sally Fields, who is also putting in a hell of a performance she her her credit list is expensive too so yeah, yeah. Sal, Sally Fields is such a good actress yeah legend like, legendary and the two of them together chosen for this is just incredible like you couldn't pick two better actors at this point in time to play these roles and the just the back and forth between both of them with Peter the scene where she you know uh, Peter's it's his first night doing a Spider-Man thing and she's like worried about him and he's like just go to sleep and she's like I can't sleep like breaks my heart every time they are wonderful so but good. but so those are the big casting choices now since we've done the big old runaround do you gentlemen remember the first time you saw this film I'm gonna go to Chris first no I I did not see the theaters <laughs> because I think the the sourness of Spider-Man three is still kind of hanging around the stench of it. Maybe. Fair. Um, but not complete stench as we mentioned in our previous episode. Um, just the wafting stench of it needs to be kind of clear. <laughs> so, so six um, years later, the crop yeah. dusting, if yeah. you will. <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely did not see it in the theaters. I know that for a fact. And, but I, I remember really enjoying it and thinking to myself, I should have seen in the theaters. And I think that's really good. Again, another metric of a good film, you know, kind of want to see it um, in that environment, but no, I don't, but I remember enjoying it when I did see it. Oh yeah. AJ. Um, I can't necessarily say there's no funny story to this one, to be honest with you, like the, the past two. Yeah. But the, uh, this one, like run of the mill again, I was 19. I think I saw this by myself at a night show or something like, I, I remember like personal drama going on. Like I was like sad going in. I was kind of in a better mood going out. I can't remember why, but like, yeah, I remember being super excited at 19 years old, seeing Andrew Garfield and just being like, this is going to be a fun time. And it was. Hell yeah. So let's wind the clock back nine years, ladies and gentlemen. 2012 was my fucking year. 2012 <laughs> is one of my favorite years of my entire life. 
because we not only got to see Spider-Man back in all of his gritty, grim glory, we also got to see The Dark Knight Rises. We also got to see, of course, The Avengers, which I saw with this man over here, AJ Kincaid. Hell yeah. And I absolutely remember seeing this film. I went and saw it at midnight and I just fucking fell in love with this immediately. Like it was my shit from the get go. Like AJ said, this was the time when I was angsty boy out of college and or out of high school going into college, had a chip on my shoulder and I was ready to just fucking rage. And this movie influenced a lot in my life at that point. Like it influenced a lot of my personal style when it came to my, my wardrobe. I still, I don't have it with me, but the backpack that he wears is a Jansport slacker in faded Navy. I still have that backpack. I use it all the time. It's my backpack and I got it because I saw it in this movie and I just, I remember falling in love with this movie immediately. And this movie is so special to me just because again, like it was at just like, it just said like, it was at a time in my life where I was feeling lost when I was, you know what you do in college, you know, you, you feel lost and you gravitate towards superheroes. That's just what everyone does in college. Oh, and I did in college, but I get it. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> We became friends in college, I think. That's and, true. And, and you, you came true. to the midnight premiere of, uh, what Age movie was it? Uh, Age of Ultron. Weird. Yeah, I, yeah, in college. <laughs> so maybe you do do that in college, Chris. <laughs> Fucking tell maybe. me I'm wrong. Anyway, so <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no, but seriously, like this, this, was, uh, this was a film that I was immediately in love with, and that love has only grown over time but there are a lot of things to talk about with this film um it's just it's so different from the other films and i think it's because i watch you know we've been watching them in sequential order so like you know uh close together that there is such a sharp difference in the mcguire films versus the garfield films yeah. yeah it is immediately yeah. felt in tone like the suit the lighting the framing and for me like the thing that immediately popped out to me you know and we talked we talked about it last episode the score the score by james horner james is horner. incredible yeah. and yeah. instead of going with a lot of string instrument string instruments in the way that danny elfman relied on he went for those big old brass, baby. Trumpets aplenty. I am a sucker for a triumphant trumpet music. <laughs> and it is all over the place here, man. Yeah. How did you guys feel about the uh, the music here? Because it is, again, starkly different from the Danny Elfman score. Well, I think as a whole, I just want to go back and talk about the scope of the movie because you touched on it. It just feels bigger. And here's the thing too, guys. I mean, there was still a wafting stench of Spider-Man 3. It was only five years later. I mean, I mean, we had the only- I love how you keep bringing that like, back. Well, a wafting <laughs> stench, not it's, unlike a part of potty outside of a state fair. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, 
like at midday, not at the end of the day. You it's going to get like more bad. elaborate as we go. Oh, That's terrible. God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the next closest time line that we have for a reboot would be uh, Zack Snyder's um, Justice League compared to uh, Nolan's Batman, right? That's like a short window. It's hard for people to forget how they felt when they watched something especially as, as big as spider-man and when you see the amazing spider-man it's like this feels like it's been kicked into like cinematic gear because you know raimi's films have always been kind of like very diy very homey very and granted they have a huge budget we know that we've talked about it in length but these ones just feel different and fyi and they shot it on uh the red epic which i think is at the time was a state-of-the-art camera of course i would know it's because i just got my hands on a red uh recently so oh tell us about no, it tell no, us no, what no, makes I'm the not, difference it'll be so good tell us what the difference is it's true so the way that the sensor captures the image and of course every cinematographer in the world is going to say that however when you take it in digitally as opposed to filmish you can see Ramey would although he probably didn't shoot much on film actually you know in 2002 he probably had to here this was digital so they were able to do some of those sweeping shots and you get these massive wides that just fill the frame with a busy city with these wonderful lights but with also shadows and that's a big part about it so just you can see them within five years removed from spider-man 3 to made in spider-man just the scope has changed horner's score is more aggressive it's more of a blockbuster movie and it kind of, it allows the bright, bright reds and the deep, deep blues. And you kind of have like some of the patriotism that really kind of dripped off of Raimi Spider-Man to kind of go away to be a little bit of a more darker, edgier uh, vibe. And I think that's maybe why it was, well, that's why I enjoyed it more because it was a little more different. But I don't want to take away from, from Angel on that because I, I, I want to say that the scope just, it just, it's just so much more edgy and bigger. And, 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 I, and I loved that right away from it, right away. No, for sure. A, yeah. AJ, how did, how did you feel about the, the biggest differences between the two franchises and like what yeah. stuck out to you about that? Um, I mean, like one, like um, kind of going back to your original question about the, to, to make one point about the scores. I love the scores in the original movies. I think mm -hmm. they are some like classic um, film scoring Incredible. that you can really get. If you, and like, when I mean like classic, I'm, I, I, movie scores have really changed at one point really during the 2000s they tried to kind of keep this like very um it, it was like what's the right word like um i'm really forgetting the name of this very famous director who made uh indiana jones and so many other like fantastic john films. williams john williams yeah no exactly like like there was this, a real intent of really trying to do what john williams did with movies and like really giving this big huge scope to it and i really think that those sam raimi movies like in a score wise really accomplish that like when they start off low it's really low and then really really gradually get bigger and bigger which is something that i love and like we and like how you put so like great put we have a difference between strings and brass brass you can do that but like when you ramp up with brass it gets super ramped up and like which is so fun and especially in this context of kind of like how chris said how there's this more kind of grounded point to it and it's a little bit edgier like we really got this from um like the dark knight and like han zimmer's work and like really that sort of Absolutely. time yeah like when we had like batman begins and the dark knight had, had just come out like that was kind of the intent on taking like these kind of characters then we got watchmen and then we got um the amazing spider-man and then we got like sin city and all these other like 
very, very dark and intense version of comic book characters. And so like to do that with Spider-Man can be done. Like it's been done like numerous times in comics and in, you know, arguably in some different animation points. So like to have that and to have somebody say, hey, what if we brought out like those real moments from Spider-Man and we really saw him struggle? Yeah, and it's it's so fascinating to like look at the difference when it comes to the filmmaking. You know, we mentioned uh, last episode, Chris and I mentioned that the the beauty in finding the balance between practical effects and CGI is a very fine line you have to walk. But when it's done well, it is done so well. And I think this film does that. And the thing that has always enchanted me about this film is the web swinging. The web swinging in this film is incredible. And I just want to, I just want to dive in on this for a second because I love this shit. Um, the, uh, the web swinging was comprised mainly of the crew alongside Andy Armstrong and his team. Andy Armstrong, very notable stunt coordinator, one of the best in the biz, if not the best. And the, whole pathos behind how the web swinging would work in the amazing spider-man films is they wanted it to feel like there was weight you know with the uh toby mcguire films there is a lot of weightlessness when it comes to his web swinging he's sailing through the air at all times they studied tapes of olympic gymnasts on the um on, on the uh whatever the bars are called um where they looked at momentum they looked at um body movement they really wanted to key in on this they wanted to feel the weight as you're in the downswing and the momentum when he's pushing up so the stunt team collaborated with the crew to build actual rigs for the actor usually andrew garfield to actually do the web swinging there's this beautiful part of the behind the scenes which i love where that scene where he's escaping from the cops and web swinging under the bridge half of that is practical half of that is him is them just rigging him up and just having him fucking swing underneath this bridge and it is so cool and it translates on screen because you can tell a real guy is doing this yeah and even though yes they did use cg for some of the wider shots where you know you couldn't get a camera or a truck underneath them i think it works and it really makes the web swinging look the best that it's looked i think in any of the spider-man films do you guys have any thoughts on the on the web swinging or any of the use of practical stunt work or practical effects um, I mean, speaking as a movement artist and speaking as a mover, it's something that I really appreciate. I have always like um, specifically like part of my um, venture into circus arts and movement is uh, aerial straps and aerial rope. And I have always like every time I practice rope, I'm always just like I want just a little bit more of Spider-Man, like holding himself on one end and leaning back to kind of like rest in a web or in a sling type of deal and make it that himself like i would love to see kind of like little bits of movement like that that he has a little bit more body control over so getting to see that and like because that that was something that i did make a note of of just like it really does feel like he's swinging it really does feel like he is trying to propel himself in the air and that's so much fun like it's so dope 
Yeah, one hundred percent agree. You could see like the, the the momentum and the inertia. Like that's a huge part of 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 that motion, the kineticness of that whole thing. So no, I, I it's, I mean, it didn't take me out of it. I will say when the first time I watched McGuire's um, Spider Man, uh, the first one, I was a little removed because it felt super CGI. And now that you mention it, it was probably because it felt a little the lack of the lack of gravity. I think the three of us talked about how Godzilla versus Kong was basically rock and sock and robots. There was no, there was no weight. There's there no was weight no space. Yeah. Right. So it removes a lot of, uh, of the gravity. Set. And so that I think, again, that plays a small part, which amounts to a larger part of this film and really kind of brings it home and really kind of dials it in. And when you pair it up with James Horner's score and cinematography and, you know, the, the shadows. And at this point, there is a shift too. We've had, the Dark Knight trilogy come through. We've had uh, First Avenger, which was touted as being a darker superhero film. So we had these kind of metrics where there is a a little bit of a reality check when it comes to some of these films. And I think that kind of, you know, this was influenced by that in all the, in all the right ways. For sure. Totally agree. And the use of the this different filmmaking style because clearly mark webb brought a lot of his indie filmmaking into this and not only through the um through the effects through the narrative but also through the characters i think some of the characters here are the strongest that we've had we talked about um uncle ben and, and aunt may as like incredible standouts one person that i want to give a shout to flash thompson this is yeah. the best flash to i know he's not AJ's favorite actor, Joe Manganiello, but he's not. <laughs> he looks like a high schooler, and this Flash Thompson is incredible. Okay, it's true though. He starts off in your classic Flash Thompson role, bullying people. He kicks the shit out of Peter at the very beginning of this film, and then at a certain point, when after uh, Uncle Ben dies, there's this incredible scene that gets me emotional every single time I watch it, where he just comes up to Peter at his locker. And he's like, hey, man, look, hey. And Peter just like grabs him full and like throws him against the locker. And he's just like, look, I get it. Like your uncle died. It feels, feels better, right? I'm sorry. Like there is such pathos in all of these characters. Like, the Dennis Leary all of all of it all aside, like each of these characters feels like a living, breathing person. Yeah, that grows, that changes, and develops as the narrative develops, and I really appreciate that. Are there any standout performances for you guys? Um, I I completely agree. Like that Flash Thompson is so good, and like that I wanted so much more from that Flash, and I think there was like supposed to be a little bit more of it. Him. This is also going to be completely irrational, but only because the same comics were coming out at the time, and those comics are dope as fuck. Um, what is it? It's Soldier Venom. Agent no, Venom. Agent Venom. Agent Venom is the some best fanta- Venom. So fantastic. That's so Venom. fantastic. And I was like Venom. Venom. Like I was so essentially, Chris. Like what happens is, um, like the Venom suit gets like militarized and gets put into Flash Thompson as he's he's a Navy SEAL or was he a what was it Marine? Uh, he, he was he was a Marine, I believe. He okay. was over in uh, overseas and yeah. I mean, this is all during like Iraq and Afghanistan. Right. And he lost both of his legs. Yes. And 
that also has another dope tie-in comic called Car- like uh, U.S. U- or Carnage USA, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. car- uh, comic. But um, I like I had this idea of just like this would be so dope if we got this Flash into the Venom suit. I like, folks, folks, is anyone there? Is anyone listening? Is anyone reading <laughs> comics right now? Please, someone. Yeah, absolutely. Any any standout performances for you, Chris? You know, I I really enjoy the seriousness they took up from it. And like, you know, I, we praise and again, it's it's impossible to continue to compare this to to, to not compare it to Raimi's uh, Spider Man. But I mean, it, it's just it's just naturally going to happen. Those characters felt, in a way, kind of cartoony, in in the fact that they weren't not so much they weren't motivated because most of them weren't motivated, but they're there was a seriousness that was lacking from them. And I don't know if it was a directorial issue. I don't know if it was a writing issue. I don't know if it was an understanding. I feel like from what you said that Raimi understands the source material, but I don't know if maybe the scope was what they wanted to do. And again, this is after Dark Knight Rises, the first Iron Man, first Avenger. We have a different palette of superhero films at this point. But the way they took all of these roles, even Leary's, I get it. Even Dennis Leary, I, I wouldn't have chosen him to be that character, but he 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 took it seriously enough. And there wasn't no like, there wasn't a lot of joking. It was it was very, this is the reality of our situation. And I'm not setting up for Dennis Leary, but I mean, as the cast as a whole, and yeah. because we have that, you believe them, and because you believe them, you take it seriously, and therefore it's easier to 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 really kind of ingest and digest that in in. And I know there's not one particular individual, but the cast as a whole, you know, the sum of its parts, I think at this point is really the best thing that we can say about this film. I mean, the acting really across the board is pretty good. It's hard oh, to yeah. pick out a terrible yeah. or a bad, a bad performance. There are no James Franco's in this cast guys. Which not. is either really good or really bad, yeah, depending right. on your perspective. Or which mm. of the one uh, the five films that he mails it in <laughs> or, you know, he doesn't mail it in at. So. No, but I, I absolutely agree. There is, and I want to make it clear, like, it's not a bad thing that those characters were cartoony in the Maguire films. It fit the tone of the films at the time. It's what and they needed, right? Exactly. And, and as Chris said, like, this is two different generations of comic book films. And you can tell that they're different because they fit in so plainly with the other superhero films of the time. This mm-hmm. film was absolutely influenced by the Nolan films. This film was absolutely influenced by the early MCU because why wouldn't you? Those were, right. those films were getting success. They're getting notoriety. Yeah. And the usage of those tones and going with a darker tone here, you know, starting Peter's career as Spider-Man as a revenge story is so fascinating. And it's a choice that you wouldn't expect for something like this, for a superhero film. And I, I really appreciate that direction with it. Um, I, I do want to uh, just talk about a couple of things that I love about this film. Um, we mentioned it before. Anytime that Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone are on screen together, it's magic. You know, we talked about, at least I I know I did, how much I did not get any chemistry from Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst for the first two films. But this is night and day from the get. All of every single interaction they have, from the littlest look to the extended scenes, like, it's incredible. And this 
is so interesting to me that they weren't dating during the filming of this, that their on-screen chemistry fed them into them getting together as a relationship. Like, I, I love the amount of banter they have they can riff off of each other like the the scene where they ask each other out okay is one of my favorite (laughs) scenes in the entire film because we've all been there we've all been there trying to awkwardly ask out you know someone you like and you're just it is not going well the words are not coming out but somehow you get there and it's like okay cool i'll see you later he walks off and you are just fucking walking on air and it's like it watching this film took me back Watching this film took me back to 2012. I loved everything about that. Um, I also make a, I, I want to make a quick point because everyone mentions that, oh man, Peter Barker was too cool. Like Andrew Garfield was like super cool with the skateboard. Did you watch the beginning of this film where he gets dunked on for the entire like high school sequence right. where he's just like, Oh, he's getting like, you know, little bullied here and there. He gets punched by Flash. The the moment where I realized he was a loser is when that girl is like, hey, you're Peter, right? Like, I really like your photos. Are you doing anything Friday? Because I want you to take pictures of my boyfriend's car. I'm like, oh, God. Like, just he he's a loser and it's like yes andrew garfield is a very pretty man he is a very pretty man but pretty men can be losers too that's Amen. just man <laughs> aj speaking from experience i suppose god damn right i am I'm fucking 28 <laughs> years of that <laughs> but no i just i i love and i will defend that fucking cold play scene until the day i die when he's out in the little like industrial <laughs> area the fucking cold play music's going he's skating around and then he starts swinging from the Ugh. chains it's bad but i will defend that until the day i die do, i love that scene do, do you have a list of the other choices that sony was pushing our mark webb to put in that scene I wish because <laughs> I can only imagine they're like, you know, I think we're we're looking for something with uh with EDM and we think we'd really get like to get that Skrillex guy in here and just you wait on that. But I I it's it's a weird inclusion. Yes. Is it weirder than raindrops keep falling on my head from Spider-Man 2? Who knows? Who's to say? But I, I really like that. I also really, I, I love a suit up montage. Like that's mm. my favorite thing about origin stories is when they're building the suit and getting the idea. And that kind of being coupled with his revenge montage is really freaking cool. Um, my, I mean, I'll talk about my, my favorite, my like three favorite scenes in a bit but do you guys have any like favorite things about this film or any favorite scenes that stand out to you i liked Um, any scene that andrew garfield emma storm with like to me that was just i just really enjoyed watching them on camera and i think that's to me that was my favorite part of i didn't necessarily love the villain i didn't really understand like uh the the again source material issues um, right. I enjoyed it for what it was worth, but when Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield were on camera, it's it was like watching. Did either one of you guys see uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Yes. So I saw in the theater, 
And um, you could just see, like, th this was going to be a problem for Jen. <laughs> you know, you could just see. You're going to have a problem, Jen. <laughs> Wait, Chris circa 2005, just stare at that screen like, oh, they're fucking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Chris Carter got out of his meeting as boss Dude. baby and went out to say, <laughs> yeah. went out to see Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I knew it. I'm like, man. So, so I kind of. I gotta so get Jennifer on the phone. It's this is a problem. Get her on the phone. Um, and you know, I wonder if that's uh, uh, you know, Emma's really talented in that aspect because, again, her previous catalog, uh, Crazy Stupid Love with Ryan yeah. Gosling, she was approachable. She was goofy. She was, she was the kind of she was that girl. You know what I mean? And 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 then I guess La La Land too. So. She has a talent for that. And Garfield, you know, he's a likable guy, but when they're together, again, I don't want to beat a dead horse. It's Magic. just, yeah, it really is. Yeah. And and that that was my favorite part of this. And that's why when we'll talk about, you know, the sequel later, but, but, uh, but anyway, so that is hands down, far and away, my favorite part of the entire film, for sure, for sure. AJ? Um, I think the artistic choices that are made in this movie are my favorite bits. Because it did have big shoes to fill. And I think like the scene that really cements it to me, and it's a, and it's a very subtle like bit that I don't, that I think that like, that I watched it again, I had more of appreciation for. I love how he gets bitten by the spider in this movie. Like the lights, the, the way it happens, it, every time I watch it and I get, I, I get that flashback to sitting in the theater too of going, okay, what I saw before the original Spider-Man series felt like somebody made a bunch of comic books. This feels like somebody's trying to make a graphic novel, but in a movie form. And I really dig that because this is a lighting choice. This is a color choice. This is a framing and setup choice that is so great and so unique and so different. And yeah, that it, it's a big, big shell of an answer, but that's kind of the point to make. I fucking hate that scene. Because <laughs> I I have issues with spiders, ladies and gentlemen. So do I. And the scene where he is just showered in spiders is my worst fucking nightmare. Oh yeah. I am terrified of the possibility of that. So that I immediately was like, uh nope, nope. Okay, let's fast forward through this a little bit. Like it is it is terrifying, but no, I think the subtleties that you guys were talking about, like the little things that you pay attention to, you know, like the the looks, the chemistry between, you know, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone really comes down to the little bits, the things that like sell them as a relationship. The idea that in the spider bite sequence, like it's not that classic, like one comes down, it's a shower of spiders that like obviously one of them hit under his jacket like little things like that one little thing that i really enjoy and i just i had to write it down in my notes in the scene where the lizard attacks their school there's a scene where he's fighting uh where he's fighting andrew garfield and andrew garfield he's fighting peter parker and he throws him through a wall and then as he like walks up to him he sees a chemistry set and he's like oh and he swirls some chemicals together to make like a little explosive and throws it in there i'm like yes he's a scientist yeah. like i love shit like that like it's so uh the attention to detail is mm -hmm. so fucking cool like um 
I think it for me it's a tie for my for my favorite uh moment, favorite scene. I love the bridge. What is yeah. it with Spider-Man and yeah. bridges? Like it's when New York. He, it's New York. You mess with one of us, you mess, mess with all with of us. Exactly. Like the scene where he really becomes Spider-Man is that bridge scene where he rescues the kid. And like it's and that feeds directly into my other favorite scene, the crane scene. <laughs> is it silly? Yes. Does it make no sense? Absolutely. Where are all these men going if they're available to climb up to these cranes? How much time does it take for them all to get in their cranes? I don't give a fuck because when all the cranes swing in for Spider-Man, guys, we got to help Spidey out like the fucking like news helicopters shine in the light. Peter runs, he webs up his gunshot wound, runs, jumps, doesn't make it, drops, and then comes up on that steel girder beam. I fucking, like, I jumped out of my seat, man. Like, let's go. Like, I, it's so triumphant, and it's so, yes, a little bit cheesy, a little bit corny, just like the scene from the first uh, Toby film, but it's a moment in a superhero film where you're like, fuck yeah, I'm watching a superhero film. Like, this is awesome. And it really, the film itself depends on moments like that. It depends on superhero moments. It depends on personal moments between, you know, characters and between actors who genuinely have chemistry. And it's because of all those successes that it might have made some money. <laughs> Which brings us into Chris's number corner. It did make some money. Um, 2012 is a really good year for movies, fellas. Um, yeah, of a 230 million dollar budget. So there was some money. They knew there was money going into it. It shows up on on camera. Like you kind of feel that. Some of Raimi's films had 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 a budget larger than this, and, and this this shows on screen. The budget was on screen for this one. Um, domestically, I want to give that under first because I think it's it's important to, to to kind of reel it in before we hit the worldwide number. Um, domestically, hang on one second. We're not. It's the it's it's be, it's below all of the Raimi films, so that's important to keep in mind. It made two hundred and sixty two million off of that budget so we're not we're not breaking we're not breaking records here to say the least but i mean we're making the money back we made 30 million dollars more than our budget which i mean in comparison at this point we have dark knight trilogy and we have the avengers to keep in mind too which we will get right. to um so domestically it made its money back but not a whole shit ton however overseas is where it really shines overseas it made 757 million dollars just short um you know three quarters of a billion dollars we're looking at it still is it's below all three of the Raimi films but just barely below the second one so spider-man 2 came 783 and made spider-man at 757 so which just for reference which baffles the shit out of me spider-man 3 is at 890 million dollars it's it i don't get it but that's overseas market. Um, so a lot of things made a lot of money. Now I want to go back and touch on 2012, though. I mentioned it being a good mover film. Top three films. 
from three to from three to one. Dark Knight Rises, a billion dollars. Skyfall, one point one billion dollars. Fuck, that's right. Skyfall came out that exactly. year too. What and a great fucking it, year of films. Great year. Yeah. Hunger Games. That's I'm just throwing that in there. That's in the top yeah, ten. Yeah. Wow. Seven hundred million. Um, the Twilight too. Anyway, number one, Avengers, one point five billion dollars right so Damn. all of these things are taken into consideration still amazing spider-man came in number seven behind twilight ice age the hobbit sky uh, dark knight rises skyfall and avengers amazing spider-man made 757 million dollars which of course has changed over the past couple of years because it's been out for a little longer um but that made enough money to get a sequel greenlit because all good movies get sequels we will have that debate at another time. <laughs> but unfortunately, even with all the money that it made, this movie won zero awards. Really? Which is fucking baffling to me. Not, not even some <laughs> MTV bullshit? It like was nominated Award? for a bunch. Wow. It was nominated for Saturn Awards, nominated for People's Choice Awards. Um, one award it was nominated that I do want to highlight it was nominated for the SAG Award for Outstanding Sund Ensemble, which oh, wow. absolutely it should have been. Yeah. Add a stunt category to the Oscars, you cowards. Yeah. Cowards. But yeah, I just, it's, it's baffling that it didn't win literally anything when Spider-Man 3 won one award. <laughs> one an award. <laughs> one an award. <laughs> But yeah, genu genuinely, this film is incredible. Does it have warts? Absolutely. Is it perfect? By no means. But there are genuinely, like, there's genuinely so something to love for everybody in this film. Um, and it's, again, it's, you know, it, it's my personal bias talking, but it's, it still transports me back to 2012 just as much as watching Avengers does. Those two films are such a, a moment in a moment in time, time in a bottle thing for me yeah. that mm -hmm. anytime I watch them, like I'm transported. So as we're wrapping up here, final thoughts on the film and what would you give it your arbitrary geek explain rating out of 10? Let's kick things off with Mr. Carter. I really like Andrew Garfield as, as Spider-Man. I'm with you, Eric. Um, he's vulnerable. He's goofy. He's clunky. I think clunky yeah. is, is a is a good adjective to use for him. Um, you can still be really good looking and still be clunky as shit. You know what I mean? Like I can I can attest to that. <laughs> but no, I kid. Um, what I, would, <laughs> I don't kid. He's good looking and clunky. <laughs> but you know, it, it it it's it's hard to argue the numbers with it. I mean, I'm looking at this. And I just want to go back. Sony had three of the top ten films that year. So it was a really good year for Sony, which might have bled into why they were okay with just green lighting. But I, I think people really gravitated towards Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield. I think they may have thought they had a franchise there. I don't know why it wasn't better received. I, I can't, I have thought about it and I just can't. And it's not bad, right? Like it's, it was the seventh highest grossing film of 2012. Um, it almost made, it made three quarters of a billion dollars. So I don't, but a lot of people, don't seem to like it a lot. Of, and I don't know if it's because it falls in between it, it, or what. There, there's this weird window. I really enjoy it. I think that we went from something that was kind of goofy and silly. And everybody knows I'm not a big camp fan. 
And we, we some, something took itself very seriously. I, I love that. It kind of feels like how, uh, is, it, is it Morbius? Morbius, right? It's Morpheus. Kind of, it's not Morpheus. No, Morbius. Thank you. Yeah, Thank it's you. Morbius. Thank you. The vampire. Yeah, not Neo. Um, uh, it's kind of got that palette to it. And there's something kind of involved with that. And, and I just really enjoyed that. So for me, and this being the first iteration of, of, of the Garfield verse, the Garvers, um, the Garvers. I, I would the give Garvers. it a solid nine. I loved how it looked. <laughs> I enjoyed his performance. I loved Emma Stone in it. And, you know, Dennis Fleury is dead after the first one. Spoiler alert. <laughs> So, like, so we, easy nine out of ten. Get, like, get the bad shit right out of the way right away. We trim the fattest part of the fat off at the end of the first one. So like all the right Fuck, decisions were funny. made. So Fuck, yeah. that's funny. All right, AJ. Oh, man, that's such a good point. Best part of Dennis Leary in that movie is you get to see him die. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. That's a little fucked up. That's a little too much. That's a little too much. But he did steal a bunch of Bill Hicks jokes. So do whatever you want with that. Um, um, you know, yeah, I, I'm the same way, Eric. I'm very biased. I get transported with this movie, too. It's really hard. This Spider-Man and this Spider-Man movie feels so millennial. And like as a slap dead in the middle millennial, like I I feel this and I feel this Spider-Man so much. Andrew Garfield is like making every right decision with it. Emma Stone is killing it because Emma Stone like is so relatable. She knows how to get like such a good, like charismatic character together. Like Sally Fields, Martin Sheen, like everybody like just really brings it in. In like, and I think that's benefit of Mark Webb being able to say, hey, I want to make a personal story. I want to make this something real. And I want to make this something that a lot of people can come to. This feels like a very blue collar and very everyman Spider-Man. Whereas Tobey Maguire really tried to, and he was very kind of just dorky and unlucky. This Spider-Man really feels like a guy who has bad luck and who really is awkward, but he doesn't feel like he's a caricature. He just feels like a guy. And there's something to that where it's like, Spider-Man is supposed to be an everyman hero. And I think right. that out of all of the franchises and out of all of the movies, I think this one does it the best. And, and to, you know, kind of make a note on Andrew Garfield, I think that like, he's probably, I think I'm going to give him number two as who I think is kind of like the perfect iteration for a character. Number one hasn't happened yet because it's hashtag Eric for Wolverine. Um, <laughs> I was going to slip it hashtag, in there sometime. Hashtag. Hashtag Eric for Wolverine. Um, but yeah, I, I love this movie. I think this movie is a fun time. And it's it, like, it, it gets a lot of crap when it shouldn't. I'm just going to say it. How would you rate it out of 10? Right. Um, He's thinking. Sorry, Ooh, microphone means a lot. There we go. Yeah. Sorry, microphone got out there. Pick up. Um, I would rate this movie. Um, I would rate this movie. I would say I'd give it a nine. 
It's a it's a personal nine. Hey, look, I've I, never fucking heard him give a nine. Look people. at that. Shit. Look at him fucking Buy a go. Take, it, take a shot or whatever you got to do. I've never heard AJ give a nine. Fucking celebrate. At, <laughs> it's a bias nine, but but it's a nine to me. That's all right. Yeah. Bias nine is still a nine, I brother. Take it. Yeah, I I genuinely do believe that when you have an actor who believes in what they're doing and the role they're portraying there is magic that can happen and you see it in this film the chemistry between garfield and stone is off the charts the plot while it can get a little convoluted moves at a brisk pace and it looks There's, good too right it, and looks, it good. looks fantastic looks good. You know? The cinematography is great. The practical stunt work, I will sing its praises until the cows come home and even after that. I love the usage of auxiliary characters that have heart and meaning and develop and change over time. The themes of trying to find yourself is something that I think is universal and something that you can find with everybody. Um, and I genuinely believe this film is leagues above where people put it. Like, if you haven't watched this in a while, watch it again. I guarantee you're going to like it more than you did, than you thought you did. Um, this film, just like AJ said, like influenced so much of me at that time. I was a confused guy who was not good at skateboarding, so I couldn't apply that to my life. But, yeah, you know, that search for identity is something that is constant with everybody and it strikes the heart of this film just as much as the personal moments the little looks the glances the awkward conversations and also the huge bombastic stuff like fighting to save new york from being turned into lizards like how how much more comic booky does it get True. so easily one of my favorite spider probably my favorite spider-man film easily one of the best of the franchise and we have got ourselves a hat trick nine out of ten all around yeah it doesn't happen oh, yeah. often we don't always Never agree happens. but when it does <laughs> you know that it's something special so nine out of tens all around just what a fucking wonderful start to a franchise that unfortunately had to take a hard left turn after this so next time we're going to be diving into the amazing spider-man 2 wait for that it is going to be oh, a man. doozy so tune in for that next time same geek time same geek channel but for now for geek explain this is eric azana aj kincaid chris carter and we will See you next time.